1: Welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world. Speak too early. I'm one
2: of your hosts, Steve Jenner. And I'm joined by Mike Jenner from somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? I'm good, Steve. I uh, I'm over here trying to crunch the numbers, trying to figure out how many my mi- like how many minutes Shoveling, I can convert to miles for for the week because you know my back's all sore now from it. So I'm certainly not actually going to run, but I got to figure out what an hour of shoveling does for you know my cardio and for my running log for my Strava. Hey, what happened to like the big buildup to these storms?
1: Like that used to be a thing. Like you you talk about these storms, like everybody's planning for it. It's coming, it's coming. I went to bed last night. Feeling like I had no friggin' idea this snow, this storm was coming, and I woke up and there's two feet of snow. I got a shovel. Like there's
2: no warning. That's because you're not in like seventh grade anymore, Steve. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. <laughs> and I've been saying
1: all winter because it's been a mild winter. I said because it's been a mild winter, we're gonna get hammered in February, and March. Sure enough, February first, we get drilled with a you know massive snowstorm, and I got a shovel all day. Anyways, and as always at the house of Sav,
3: we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? Boys, I wish I could say I was fantastic because I don't have to shovel, right? That's a little perk of the collarbone injury. But as we're about to dive into it, guys, I'm exhausted. I mean, I thought I thought like running, you know, a college athlete was a tiring experience. I thought like working full time, going to school and podcasting was tiring. Day trading is exhausting. <laughs> we're going to dive right into it. I know it, but like that that has just got me like so drained this week it took everything out you know it's been like a, a boxer on the ropes and then i'm trying to gather the energy and i have it for for tonight cuz i'm excited to talk about it but it's been an exhausting few days are you podcasting from the moon today <laughs> steve i thought i was i had plans <laughs> to be on the moon today i had i had plans of me just doing like my third orbit around the moon today but uh unfortunately it still looks like i'm grounded on planet earth
2: Trendy, I, you know, I'm, I got to be honest. I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, Trenty Diamond Hands on the show tonight. You've been in the cave. You've, you know, been in charts. You've been digging deep and even so deep into Reddit threads. I didn't think you were going to show up tonight because you've been so deep. But, you know, Trenty Diamond Hands, here he is ready to podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you for crawling out of the cave. It, it might have been a good thing that I'm on the moon, because that
3: might have been the last you ever see me in peak too early. I might have forgotten <laughs> what peak too early was. I might I might have been in my my spaceship just uh, high as a kite, celebrating the the wins uh, that I had. So maybe it was good that we're still on on you know ground level before the big takeoff. That's eventually coming, of course. So hey, let's get into it a little bit. So so I mean,
0: Mike Trent
1: tell this. me <laughs> tell me the legend of your uh, you're your,
2: one of your. Your teammates that kind of came before you at your alma mater, Stonehill. Yeah, I mean, I think before like we really dig into this, the reason I mean, me and Trent aren't aren't day traders. You know, we we usually invest smartly and you know are planning for our future. Um, but Steve, we had a bit of a different calling this week when it was released that you know what's his name, Roaring Kitten or uh, uh, Roaring Kitty. Also, known Kitty.
3: as, I think we have to say it, right? We just, sorry, sorry for the, the I, I extra mean, it's his name pot here, but it's his deep name. fucking value
2: on Reddit. <laughs> it's this guy who's emerged as like the leader of this, you know, Wall Street bets who has a sense of the revolution. For, for, you know, it's over now and everyone's kind of eating their words. But for a moment in time, our guy, Keith Gill, who is a Stonehill alumni, and, you know, an absolute legend of Stonehill cross country, he, he took down, he shook Wall Street to its <laughs> core. And Steve, I guess before we really break into it, I got to ask how many, how many, uh, Bentley XC alum have, uh, have, you know, are in the, the pocket of Wall Street right now, pulling their strings. I, mean, I, mean, I don't think any, I don't think any. <laughs>
1: I mean, if the Stonehill alums are leading the revolution, I guarantee you that uh, Bentley has a lot of the a lot of the people at the hedge funds yeah. that are getting <laughs> destroyed right now.
2: That's right. It's a classic Stonehill Bentley battle. Yeah, fair enough. The rivalry <laughs> continues.
3: <laughs> so, I mean, we were we were kind of all into this story. I think, especially myself. Like, and I don't get caught up in this internet crazy stuff. Like, I when I messaged you guys, you had followed it. It's because I had no idea like what's actually popular and what's not. But I'm following these stocks. I'm getting excited about things. I actually had, you know, a previous investment into AMC, and that was, you know, this this whole meme stock thing was helping it out. But then the news breaks that that our guy Keith Gill is, you know, deep fucking value, and I'm just losing my shit. Like I can't control myself. That is when I decided, like, I need to put more money into this. I'm pouring it on. Like I am being part of this damn revolution. It, it the people can't understand how big of a legend Keith Gill was for Stonehill cross country runners
1: before. So I want to get it. I want, I want you to pick up right there in one second, but just, just for me to clarify for people that don't know what's going on. So this guy that pretty much led the charge, he started this whole revolution. He had, he had a massive invested investment on games, uh, GameStop. He was kind of one of the guys that brought it to the, to light that, Hey, there's all the shorts being on going on on GameStop. If we invest a ton of money, we're essentially going to go to the moon, and this guy made close to like fifty million dollars on on just investing in GameStop, and he became this like overnight legend, like investing legend, invest uh, you know just internet legend. And I get texts from the from these two guys being like, "Hey, this guy Roaring Kitty Keith Gill is this the same Keith Gill?" So he's like a four oh three miler. He's a he's an he was an amazing runner but cross country all he's all American, the, like, yeah cross country all-american so
3: i'll let you pick it up from there no it's just like you come in as a freshman at stonehill. so so keith was older than us he had been out by the time we were in but we had the same coach right our coach was still there you come in as run a, against him so i think he's my age i think he might be a little bit older than me okay. a year or two yeah but you come in as a freshman at stonehill and like every program has it like the names like sometimes it's the best runners in the history and sometimes like the most ridiculous characters but every like program, I feel like, has a name that just come up over and over again. No matter how long they've been out of college, you hear the stories. And for Stonehill, it's Keith Gill. I mean, it's Keith, he had a twin brother, or no, he had a brother Kevin, not twin, younger brother Kevin. But you just heard about the Gill family, that like a Brockton, just Massachusetts institution that comes to Stonehill is the best runner the program has ever seen at the time. It, it took the program like. You know, back in the day, Stonehill was like a lot of D two programs. They don't really have much, so you get the good coach that comes in that sets a culture. And, and Keith Gill like was just the 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 epicenter of that. And then like the legend just continues about him, right? So you hear these stories about like you know him just being like a crazy guy, but then you just hear the stories about like how well he ran and off no training. Like there's the one unforgettable story, Michael, that I'm sure you've heard it, right? Like what's the Keith Gill story that comes to mind when you think of Keith Gill? Yeah, so it,
2: it, he's like a a Paul Bunyan type legend, right? You never know what to believe. Our coach, you know, can be a little bit notorious for, you know, spewing some things that may may or may not be true. But this whole GME thing has got me thinking that they're all true because he's a legend. But Trent, what you're referring to is anytime anybody is is – for the history of Stonehill Cross Country, if you – have to miss a week or a day or a month because of an injury and you're all worried and you're, you know, getting nervous that you're losing your training coach Bowen will obviously tell the story, the legend of Keith Gill, who sometimes I hear the story and it's like one month. Sometimes I hear the story and it's like five months. I don't know. I don't know the truth, but that Keith Gill you know trained for 3 months in a pool, you know hadn't hit the roads for an entire season, got out of the pool the next day and ran a 403 mile on an indoor track where you know it was probably like a flat indoor track that converted to a 350 or I don't know something crazy. That is the the absolute one of many legendary Keith Gill roaring kitty tales. I mean, and I have no I have no reason to not believe them at this point. Like I think he probably was in the pool for like 2 years. I don't think he ever <laughs> ran a step at Stonehill. I just think he was in the pool and got out and ran a 403. So, I swear I've heard so that's that's the story right
3: there. I've heard like Stories on top of that, where he would go to the pool and he would work so hard, like pool running without a belt on, that he like passed out at like the end of a workout, like getting out of the pool, like legitimately, like you could have drowned himself. He was like going like such a maniac in there. But that's what I heard about it. Yeah, 403 right out of the pool. It sounded like there wasn't even a warm up. He was at the Brockton YMCA. He was getting his pool workout in. He gets out of it, gets a ride right to the track, hops on the line and runs the floor. He,
2: I think... At some point, we're going to have to just like have a bunch of Stonehill guys on and just tell all like the legendary yes. tall tales of Keith Gill. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, as soon as we found out who this was, I'm automatically like, can we get him on the podcast? And we tried, but looks like he's too busy being interviewed by like the Wall Street Journal, CNBC, you know, the Washington Post, right? We didn't, we didn't have a chance. Maybe like a year from now when,
2: when he's, he starts dying down a little bit, we can get him on the podcast. And the so back to like the actual stock part of it, it is now what is it, February 2nd? When I'm recording this, GameStop has dropped like 400% in the last day. And Keith Gill goes on to his, to his Reddit thread to make sure he lets the people know that he was up 50 million dollars on this stock and he hasn't sold it yet. He's lost, what? Like, he didn't he sell. Ha- he has Keith Gill has not sold. GameStop yet, so he's holding
3: what? on. He he hasn't sold lately because he has 13 million. If you look at the E-Trade picture, he's had 13 million in cash in his account for a while now. But for the last week, the guy is holding the GameStop stock. I mean, what? I mean, could you have a better leader, a better revolutionary figure Steve. than Keith Gill, Roaring Kitty? I'm not. I, mean, like a, I am. This is I'm,
1: I'm so angry <laughs> at this guy now.
2: No, no, no. no. So the I. <laughs> I'm not a Reddit person. I think this is the first week I've ever been on Reddit in my life. And it is so funny when Keith Gill goes on there once a day and just posts that he's still in and he has not sold. And thousands of comments pour in. Just pray, our hero, our God, he's still holding. This guy's amazing. I mean, he is an absolute internet Hero. He is a superhero to these well, people. Well, so, Steve. so, so that's the type of mindset where
1: I mean, he could have cashed in. He could have been, you know, set for for the rest of his life. His kids could have been set at fifty million dollars. But this is the type of mindset where you eventually go on to become a billionaire, right? If you have this type, of, if you have this type of mindset, fifty million dollars means nothing to you in the future. He's a lunatic.
3: He's an absolute <laughs> lunatic, and
2: that's why he was such a good runner. It's just because he is out of his damn mind.
3: Yeah, the, it all like it all like makes sense, right? Like how good of a runner was these stories? Like this is a story you wouldn't believe that he like took down Wall Street and he had a redded (laughs) army behind it and he refused to sell it. No, I would not believe it. They'd be like, yeah,
1: sure. He did Karen.
3: I'm sure that happened, but it's real. And now it makes me think he really did train in a pool for two straight years to come out. I guess he also won like some national championship of like magic, the gathering or some other weird card game. Like he just is like, that you know much of a cult of personality and and he just excels at the like little niche that he puts himself to whether it's you know working so hard in the pool that he like passes out to winning that card game to taking down wall street i mean it 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 gives us hope to all those weird cross-country runners out there that like can put our head into the ground and run repeats over and over again maybe we can apply that to something that actually be
2: good for us and Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought Stonehill be Stonehill wins <laughs> again, Steve. Stonehill wins again. I mean, this is episode
1: ninety nine, and never did I think we would be talking about a Stonehill cross country athlete that was uh, taking down Wall Street. So, oh, All the weird directions <laughs> this podcast has turned.
3: Wow. I remember too when they first so like little details that come about of him. As the he's the roaring kitty guy, and I saw some form like, oh, he was a, a former 403 miler or something like that, like some track star. And I thought, oh, that's kind of fitting. And then the details come out and out. And then it comes to Stonehill Grad. And I'm like, holy shit, that's Keith Gill. But the um, story's still not over yet. We're about, to, we're about to find out what happens, boys. There's, a, there's a, hopefully still some rocket ships about to take off. that uh, I'm going to be sure
2: that I'm strapped to. Ne- next time we talk, we'll, we'll be podcasting from the moon.
0: Yeah, yeah, hopefully.
2: <laughs> hopefully. Anyways, all right, Mike, let's kick off the running news. All right, Stevie, paper hands. All right, here we go. So uh, we had some results this weekend. We're going to get into the first one here. Uh, Not a lot to talk about. I just figured, you know, we're big cross-country guys. It's good to know that there's cross-country championships happening again. Right now, we had the Big Ten championships where Wisconsin took – the championship on the men's side, and Michigan State took the championship on the women's side. And because of, like the change national rules, like we've talked about in the past, these these championships matter quite a bit into like your national bid. Uh, I got a couple quick takes. Nothing, nothing big. Do you guys have anything on the uh, Big Ten champs?
3: I, I got a quick take. Not sure. really so much on the action. I mean, the race seems like it was – I didn't watch it. It seems like pretty good. Indiana went 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Talk about a, a pack. Or 8, 9, 10, 11, 13 maybe. Packed on Wisco with the win. Um, Big Ten website with the results was awesome. I don't know if you guys actually went on. I think it was Very like PT good, yeah. timing. You yep. could break it down and see where everyone was at at the, 3, the 1K, 2K, 3K, 4K, and so on for each time so you could actually see how the race unfolded i don't know if that's standard or that's something that like new was up there but it was awesome you could see like on the men's side that indiana was winning at the 6k by like five points right so they they had the lead and then wisconsin had a, like a killer last 2k to come thing actually i think indian was even winning at the 7k and then same thing on the women's side where michigan state won but they were down like pretty big at the 3k halfway through and they were in third place and you could see it so um i that's my big takeaway was if we can have that that just like allows you to have a much better feel for how the race went and will actually make it seem more interesting rather than just putting uh you know names on a piece of paper
1: i mean uh, uh wisconsin obviously losing some star power after the past 2 years um you know with our two aussie guys um, but it's good to see them back at the top of the Big Ten, holding on. Even though you know you 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 uh, you graduate some of that talent, but you're still able to kind of take walk away with the the Big Ten championship. Love to see these guys do something at the national championship. I mean, we kind of adopted Wisconsin as our like favorite uh, cross country team. So love seeing the love, love
2: seeing the Wisco guys up there for sure. Steve. that was one of my takes, right? Is like we've kind of talked about this in the past, where uh, we talked about like does the star power of Morgan and Ollie and like them, you know, shooting onto the pro scene and becoming these big names. What kind of impact does that have to a school like Wisconsin, you know, and Alicia Munson and stuff like that, these names that are going pro, it, it draws kids in, makes them want to go there as well. And I was looking at their squad and it's like their number one runner was a freshman. Their number two was a sophomore Then they have a junior. Then they have another freshman. Then they have another freshman. So three out of their top five are freshmen. So that's a young-ass team. Like, that is winning the Big Ten with three freshmen in your top five. No seniors in your top five. That is big hopes there for for Wisconsin. So look out for them in the future. And then the other, on the women's side, I know this is kind of like a geeky cross-country thing of mine, but I love – my favorite thing is – teams that win not with like the star power but just that like you know sm- the 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 condensed group of runners so the michigan state they didn't have uh and either of their girls like win the the whole race but their pack time their 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 top five pack time was 30 seconds from one to five and just like that's such a badass way i mean they still like had plenty of girls up front you know, winning they they ran their asses off but having that pack time and just a close, like bang, 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 bang. And just like, you know, as soon as your fiver in that quickly within 30 seconds race is just over it. I don't know. For me, that's a badass way to win championships.
1: You're, you're definitely a disciple of Phil Meyer. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know. I coach. His favorite <laughs> stat was pack time. I love that. That's it. like, that's like all he cared about is just pack time. He's like, you know, like, I don't care if you won. I don't care where you finish, but
2: our pack time was under 30 seconds. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah. Uh, all right, I think that's all we got for the Big Ten. So let's move on to the Silver State Challenge, where we had, uh, you know, the two biggest teams in men's cross country right now, BYU and NAU, face off against each other for the first time this season. This is obviously going to be, you know, uh, the matchup everyone's going to be looking at when when nationals comes around, and BYU defending their their national championship take the dub here. There's a few other storylines that, that came along with this, but what do you guys got for initial takes? My initial take is that Nico Young, actually good. He's
1: actually he, good. He's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, Connor Mance ran a very impressive race out hard. You could tell that early on in the race, like from the first mile, like I think from the first mile to the third mile, he was out pushing the pace and pushing it really hard. Um, and then it looked like he was fading a little bit. I like think right around the halfway point, he kind of fell back a little bit, fell into the pack. It looked like he was hurting a little bit, um, but then kind of going into that last mile, mile and a half, him and Nico kind of broke away. He kind of toyed with a little him a little bit and put him away in, in the home stretch. But I mean, this is this is going to be a battle
3: between these two guys coming uh, coming into the national championship. I'm excited. Yeah, Nico's going to be someone to watch the next few years here. He's, he's going to be a stud. Uh you didn't have a couple of their top guys running,
2: but yeah, one
3: uh too. Who cares, right? BYU, you know, you won the national championship last year. Uh, I know it's not last year, but NAU gets the ranking over you. They get the number one ranking. You get the number two. Um, And you go out, and the first time you have a chance to beat them, you do beat them. And so, obviously, you know, things can change, and there's runners that need to come back. But, uh, you know, i just just impressed. Like, these guys have had, you know, the craziest uh, cross-country season of all time, arguably, right, with what time we're running here and all the stuff that happened in the fall. Um, so Mance goes out; he takes care of business. All you can do is win the race, right? BYU goes out, wins the race. So is NAU still going to be the favorite come nationals? Definitely, of course. But
2: uh, BYU just—they show a lot of grit and uh, they win. Yeah, I, that was kind of like my my take too. Like I, I get what you're saying. I like what you're saying. Like on that day, the teams that showed up, BYU won. You're not going to take anything away from that. But I do think it shows that it was still a close race. NAU holds out there. They're one and two. And one of their guy the one of the guys they held out, Lewis, I can never say his name, Grijalva or however you pronounce it, he has potential to win the national championship and you hold him out of this race. So although BYU wins this race, I kinda come out of this race more, especially with a guy like Nico Young, who is legit, I kinda come out of this race feeling like NAU is more of a favorite than I thought, even though they lost, which I know That's it's a what comeback, we thought which,
1: last year. That's what we thought know, last year, man. I mean, BYU is deep, and they're strong, and, man, they are tough to beat in those big meets.
2: Um, the other question I had, like I said, Lewis from NAU, a lot of people are talking about him to be a potential national champion. What, what do we think the odds that Connor Mance is a national champion or that Nico Young is in the conversation to be a national champion?
3: It's always tough to put money on Nico Young, right? I mean, the guy has the skill, right? He's got the talent uh, to do it, but that'll be his, you know, this was his first 10K, right, in cross country. Uh, so, I, I don't know. I always, I always doubt the freshman's ability to show up and actually win it, even though how talented he is. But Mance, I think, is a real competitor. I mean, Steve was talking about he goes out hard, he comes back to the pack. That just shows how tough he is, that he was able to still go on and not die and take the, the win there. So, I don't know. I, I like Mance uh, to be right up front. Yeah. You, you
1: took the words right out of my mouth there, Trent, where it's last year at the national championship. It felt like uh Mance was moving up the entire race and it felt like he almost slid into the, into the podium there. He got third last year at national championships, I believe. Right. Thanks and it that. almost kind of feels like he he kind of snuck into that position a little bit, you know, in the, in the second half of the race, the race today showed me that he has the ability to kind of fight through some pain. He has the, he has the ability to lead a little bit. Um, You know, they there's that there kind of that old old saying where it's like you only have two shots at the lead, right? In the in the course of a race, you only have two shots at taking the lead. He used both of them, right? And he he was able to hang on for the, for the for the for the win. So um, yeah, definitely kind of a gutsy performance from him out there today. I think he's the favorite going, and he's got to be.
2: I I wonder if there's anything like in the back of his mind, you know, when he's going up against this like freshman phenom that everyone's talking about from his rival school. That you know when he sees him on his on his shoulder there, that he you know wants to beat him a little bit more, which kind of brings me to my point is Nico Young's going to be one of these guys, right? He's been touted since he was in high school. We all know his name. We didn't talk about him until he got into college because we don't talk about high school runners. But he's going to be podcast. on this podcast, uh, and I just feel like he's going to be one of those guys that. He kind of reminds me of like a Galen Rupp up and comer. Yeah. Where like he's kind of like we kinda don't even like him a little bit. We don't we don't need to make this stance right now. I'm not saying we gotta make the stance, <laughs> but at some point we have to decide if we are pro or anti Nico Young. I'll, again, we do not need to make that decision tonight. I'm just letting you guys know that flip flop, Mikey. Right, you know, one day I love Central, one day I hate him, one day I love. This could be a situation here with Nico Young that he kind of falls in that category for me.
3: Nico, we'll if you're listening, you have a real easy way to make us fall on the pro That's Nico right. side. That's right. That's to come on the pod. And There's no question that I'm a Connor Mance guy because he's a friend of the program. So. That's right. Hey, before um, we move on from the men, I just want to make fun of Notre Dame real quick. Uh, rank oh, yeah, number four yeah. coming in yet they clearly are not in the class of BYU and NAU. Not that anybody is, but it's classic Notre Dame Get It's the same thing as football. They get overrated, right? They're, they're a good team, but they, they're not like a real contender up there. So get them out of the top four. I mean, every sport is the same thing, where we just give them a lot more attention and a lot more votes in the coaches' pool uh, just because they have uh, the Fighting Irish as their logo. So that's all I have to say.
2: Very well. Uh, all right, let's move on to the last race we're going to talk about here and that is the American track league. So gentlemen, we did a number, whoops, dropped my phone, not broken. Very good. Uh, we did a number on the American track league last week. I think we leaned into them quite a bit as we should have. I think everything we said was completely warranted. So I tuned into the ATL this week, still wasn't crazy impressed by the coverage. I don't think they did anything, you know, out of this world. However, there were some races that intrigued me. Now, granted, there was a few mid distance races this week, so obviously that's gonna pull me in a little more. I was more impressed with this one. Um obviously we can break down some of the races. You know, we had our guy hopple in there dominating. We had uh you know some other big names on the track. So why don't we get into the ATL here? Yeah
1: Mike, I thought they
2: did I thought this was they did
1: a pretty good job with this race. You know, I will say like after last week, we kind of leaned into our, you know, you know, what the hell is ATL doing? I'm not sure if we like this. And I after after last week's um, product that they put out there when I went back and watched it, I felt pretty confident in our hatred for ATL. Um, after this week, you know, I was just like, maybe we were wrong. Maybe we were a little too harsh. I think they put out a decent product. It was fun to watch. Um, yeah, I thought they did a good job. And like you said, we're, I'm sure we're going to get into it in a second. Having some mid distance events in there helps definitely helps I, I,
2: awesome. I, I don't I do I don't think we were wrong though. I stand by everything oh, I said. Oh, we, we were 100 percent we were right, like, 100% I don't, I don't, right last week. Yeah. The only thing I that think,
3: changed is they had great races, right? They had some great right, performances. Had, I mean, it's not that they weren't gonna have good athletes there and, and put on some uh exciting events for track fans. The question was, can you use this platform of being on national television to actually make this exciting? And I don't see anything out there that's any different than any other track meet. And it just like annoys me that they, they put themselves up and advertise that they would be this, you know, big, fun, big party. And I'm still not seeing that, despite the fact that, yeah, some great, great track meets that happen. The races that happen that all the fans are going to care about.
2: And to, to your point, Trey, it's like, okay, of course they can't like pack the stadium right now. We all know what's going on with COVID. And so you can't have that party atmosphere. But I mean the interviews after the race are like as stiff as can be. The commentating is boring. I mean, it's clearly not this party atmosphere. It's the what you'd expect yeah. for track on ESPN. It's a, you know, Disney production on ESPN, which again, we're giving it a hard time again here, but it's it's it was more fun to watch this time for me, at the very least. Uh, any specific races you guys want to look at here I I know, mean, why don't we, we just get well we get right into it the 800, yeah, and it 800. It. i think that's yeah, the, yeah. the
1: our guy bryce hopple is a bad man i mean he is he's so freaking good he's so smooth you look at him out there he looks so smooth he is so confident I mean, and, and we talked about it. if it wasn't for the greatest 800 runner of all time, Bryce Hoppel might be considered the greatest 800 runner of all time. They just happen to be in the same generation. And you know what? They're going to keep pushing each other. And these two guys, Brazier and Hoppel, are going to are, are going to push each other to be the two greatest 800-meter runners of all time. I can't wait for the Olympics, but he looks smooth, man. He looks so good. And he, in the post-race interview, the, the quote heard around the world on – on Sunday where they said, Bryce, you're now the second fastest indoor 800 runner of all time. He said, that's great, but I was going for number one. I mean, you got to love that. I mean, this, this guy is on a mission and he, you know, it's going to take, it's going to take a lot to catch Brazier to
2: compete with Brazier, but you got to admit Bryce is closing the gap ever so slightly. Well, I think it was, he seemed like a slightly different Bryce Hopple to me this time too, right? Like we've seen the Bryce Hopple who can come from behind and is kind of the underdog kid. He looked like the best guy in that field and he knew it, right? Like when he went to that race, he was so comfortable the whole time. He didn't wait till the very end. He made his move earlier. And just as soon as he made his move, just opened it up on the field. Like he, it seemed like he had this new confidence about himself that he he doesn't need to, you know, Try and use his kick to track people down. Like he was the best guy on the line, and he's just going to go out there and win this race and do it easily. By
1: far, by far the best guy on the line.
2: Before
3: this weekend, I, I would just say that, you know, it's great what he's doing, but there's no real shot if he goes up against Brazier. This weekend now is Silver doubt where if they get on the line together and Bryce has the right day, you know, he could take it down. What's a real shame is I believe Donovan was going to run. Uh,
2: but COVID protocols, like he so, had some
3: contact tracing, and he got taken out.
2: Him, him. So I don't think he was going to run the 800. He, he was going to do the 600, I believe. But yeah, him yeah. and Raven, oh. him and Raven yeah. Rogers. What to the
1: hell was that? On. It was. It was. They they tested. They didn't have it, but they were in proximity of somebody that did have it, and so they couldn't race. Yeah, I think it was just the
2: contact. I don't know. I don't know how those things work. I'm sure they're just being super careful. You know, how track is about their headlines and stuff like that. So they just didn't want to i guess whatever obviously take two the two the two biggest names in raven roger and Donovan brazier out of the event it's going to take some steam out of it but i mean w- what are you going to do it, it's the, the COVID thing what are you going to do and, and, and i guess they have, have have, i had I, wrong. I, I won't blame atl for that
1: and we're going to have the super bowl this weekend where like i guarantee you 75 <laughs> yeah, the percent on, the, on the field have been exposed to it at some point in the past three days leading up to the game
2: the
3: so the story's coming out about like some, Oh, there's like some chiefs uh, backup center has or whatever. And some wide receiver has contact racing. It's like, there's zero chance they don't play. Everybody's yeah. playing. There's nobody getting held <laughs> yeah. out for COVID this weekend. Um, I guess my point, I might've had it wrong about thousand or the 800, but how close Bryce came to the American indoor record on that. When we get these two on the, the track next to each other in some races, like, yes, I'm still picking Donovan or whatever, but, we're we're seeing just records dropping. Like the I American mean, the 800 time in the eight hundred is just gonna keep falling if you put these two up against each other.
2: Um, some other guys in that race, we had Angles, our guy who uh, had a good race. He, he hung in there. I think I think he finished third, um, and then fourth, I think, maybe fourth. But I think he ran a PR. It was a good race for him. And then there's Clayton Murphy, who you know, I think before Donovan and. Uh, Bryce kind of took over and became like, he was kind of being groomed a little bit guy. to be the next 800 meter guy. And I don't know with Clayton, man, I'm not going to come here and completely trash him, but his race was terrible. He clearly just gave up in the last lap. Like just might as well have just walked off the track. And it's just like, I, I don't know, man, that was, you have Bryce up there just making it look easy and like gritty and, Clayton just falling apart on the backside.
1: Yeah, not good. He's had he's had quite the falls the past couple of years. You
2: know. I mean, what do you want me to say? Like he we're here talking about I'm not gonna sugarcoat anything. Like this guy is a, a big name and he ran bats, so I'm gonna call it out. I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah, know. apparently he's a little banged up, but
3: at the same time, Whatever. I think we're just seeing like he's just not on the level as the other top American 100 runners. Or it could be the fact that he agreed to come on the podcast and then bailed on us. But yeah, maybe that's why I'm being
2: hard on him. I don't know. Maybe. Nico Young, uh, take
3: notes. This is what happens when <laughs> you don't come
2: <laughs> on. Um, let's head over to the woman's mile, which I'm not going to call it by its name just yet, but we will get <laughs> into that. No, oh, it's not a shot. I we I just a, no a great, no I, I want to get into this. It's a I great storyline. It's a great storyline. I just don't don't want that to take away from the actual race. I'll talk about the actual race here first. Um, for me it was a, a two-woman race and uh Heather McLean was out there kind of setting the pace. Danny Jones, the new up and comer, kind of she is gonna be coming onto the scene very, very fast and she's gonna be a superstar in this sport. She gave her a run and Heather kind of fought off the uh, the push and kind of put her away pretty easily uh, for a win. I think she finished in like four thirty. Great race. Anything else on the women's mile, gents? Ah, uh, women's mile stacked right now for America. Yeah. Right, yep.
3: we got these two bound now. We didn't have a bunch of big names. Heather's got to be our girl too. She's UMass, New Balance, Boston. Um, we got to be behind that. But there's a there's a stacked American women's mile group right now.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, UMass grad, She's trains right here in Boston. We should get her on the podcast, but she she's definitely, um, podcast. She's definitely, I mean, this was it was it was great to see her have success out there. I feel like this was kind of a little bit of a break for her because she's always been, I feel like she's kind of always been in the mix a little bit as a grinder, and I feel like this was, she finally got to show off her talent on on a big straight stage on ESPN, so um, pretty cool to see her do well out
2: there. All right, so let's get into it here. The women's race which was the Ben Blankenship mile, I guess. Um And so when I first saw that, obviously, in the past, I have had issues with Ben Blankenship. I had said some things that – aren't so nice about Mr. Blankenship. So when I first saw that the woman's mile was named after Ben Blankenship, my mind went crazy. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Like, you name races after like legends or like, you know, retired people or like dead people. Like this guy is still actively- Ben Blankenship m- Memorial Mile. Yeah, I was like, what? what is going on? And then I dug into the story and kind of saw what was happening. So basically like the ATL, I like, couldn't get real sponsors for this race. which is such a joke. So Ben Blankenship, you know, a pro athlete in the sport was like, well, we talk so much about needing to put our our uh, sport on the map here and like we need to get so he put up money to sponsor this mile, which how much does it cost to sponsor a mile? I don't know, but can, can we can we get in on this? I know. Like
1: Let's what, go. What do do? All right, anyways, we got to get back to the Ben Blankenship mile, but but for a second there like we need to figure out how to sponsor the yeah, next we, of the next ATL of Like what is like that would be awesome. Anyways yes. I, I, I spent I've spent from when the race happened this weekend till till we recorded today a way to try and hate on this, but I can't. I mean, it's just it's a great move from Patchy the Pirate, Ben Blanketchip, stepping up, putting up his money to keep the sport going, keep the sport. Funded the way it funded the way it should be. So good on you, Ben Blankenship. That that's a pretty cool move.
3: Yeah, he is cool move, savvy move too. Everybody's talking about it. You're gonna get a lot of new fans out of this. But yeah, and and great, great on you, Ben. I refuse to believe that the the track meet the the American track league could not get a legitimate sponsor for this event. I mean, you're on ESPN, right? Like. Companies wouldn't pay to get the sponsor that to me. And we made fun of, we, we said they didn't do a great job like promoting this from the start. Right. We've made fun of their website, which is a total joke still. Um, and some of the issues that they've had, just like, uh, getting this thing off the ground and, and rolling here. Uh, you just, I just I just couldn't have put enough effort in. Like, who who are you paying? Who's your salesperson that's selling the advertisements and selling the sponsorships? Like, they're not doing enough. There's no way you couldn't get anyone to sponsor this. And maybe Ben blew away with a check that was bigger than anyone else would. But I just, I don't really believe that, right? Like, some company has to get more out of that and has to pay more. And you're on national television, right? Like, there's eyeballs tuning into this because you're on ESPN. I just... I don't know. It just made. I thought it made it look, made Ben look great, but it made the the, you know, the organizers of the track meet uh, look pretty bad. I thought you're right. It and it, 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 it more important than that, it made the
1: sport look bad, right? Yeah. Like it made the sport look bad that one of the athletes had to step up and and sponsor it. But uh I'm gonna dig pretty hard on this tomorrow and figure out who I need to reach out to. <laughs> yeah. Sponsor. Trent serious. I'm dead serious. I'm
2: gonna spend my whole day on this tomorrow. I can't wait. Trent, you bring up you bring up good points that I didn't really think about here, right? Because you're telling me that there's not some like running product or like up and coming like running shoe company or like I don't know, I'm thinking about like goo or like, you know, like one of these like random that wouldn't Want to have the mile named after them on e s p n like that's that's crazy that I don't know I running podcast An up a yeah running podcast yeah i mean now these
3: these companies figure out that it's like worth their their money to like send out mailers in the mail right with like little coupon codes like even if it was if it wasn't a running company, if it was like Starbucks or whatever it's got to be worth their money to put it on there and just have like our eyeballs like fixated on it or whatever I don't know yeah it's, no, it's just right. crazy to me yeah they, yeah. You're right
1: it, there. I, I feel like there should have been,
2: there could, there may be a little bit more
1: effort. They could have found somebody, but you're right.
2: All right. We're back on the ATL stinks grinds. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Screw <laughs> ATL until we sponsor the, yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, well, Until then, we sponsor then, the men's five K in the next, uh, next meet. So then there'll be nobody who pushes the ATL harder. I'll take down my, that should be the, uh, the agreement. I'll take <laughs> down my the- blog. In- if uh i'm just gonna start writing terrible blogs until they let us sponsor the mile and then i'll take them all down (laughs) savvy uh do we have anything else on this meet, boys before we uh before we move on that's all i got we're good Mm -hmm. all right well that is all i've got for the news gents all right well let's get into our
1: interview with another member of the bowerman track club he's a sub 13 5k runner woody Kincaid. I wasn't there for this interview. I had to hand it off to to Mike and Trent, so uh, I'm a little
2: bit worried. How'd you guys think this interview went? This interview was awesome, Steve. It was here Here's the deal. We just talked about like gambling and like sports the whole time. I don't even know if we really talked that much about running, so that's probably why it was so much fun yeah that's pretty much what our podcast is built on yeah (laughs) right. (laughs) you can't count on mike and and mike and me to
3: have a real interview but woody woody came through for us so despite maybe you know without our our leader there uh you can't have a bad interview Winnie he's a great great guy all right let's talk
0: how's it going on
4: woody thanks for uh thanks for coming on man my pleasure, man. I'm. I. Uh, I slept uh, so hard. I, I woke up like three minutes ago. So I'm glad. <laughs> to your hair looks good for waking up three minutes ago. The slick back is not bad. Thanks, man. It's COVID. This is COVID right here.
2: It's COVID here. Do you Do you need time to go splash some water on your face? You You ready to roll? Are you ready to do this thing?
4: No, I've rolled out of bed and and done <laughs> done more. So let's like, <laughs> Done more strenuous
2: things <laughs> than a uh, you know twenty minute podcast.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's hear it, man.
2: All right, all right. Well, let's let's get right into it then. Um, so, you know, we kind of pride ourselves on not trying not to talk about like the same shit that gets asked about all the time. But I do feel like I got to start with probably a question you've been asked and a topic you've been asked about a million times. So. 2019 was a huge year for you, right? You finished third at the the USAs. And then, of course, you have your your huge meet in Portland under the lights, the fifth fastest 5K in American history. Unbelievable. But I guess my question for you is, if you went back to that race right now, you're stepping on the line before the race happens, before anyone knows what the results are, what are the Vegas gambling odds
4: that you win that race? <laughs> uh, Man, frankly, Vegas is is going to be way off on this one because they don't realize that, <laughs> that, that that Jerry's setting up the race for for me to to outkick Lopez. Now that's not an easy task to do at all. So Vegas is actually not far off either. I, I'm going to say, I, I think that's up to you, right? Isn't aren't, that's up to us? Pick, don't you pick the odds? I, I realize that it's high. <laughs> that's all i can say
2: i, I just think uh, like the the average uh track fan or even like a, a, a you know track fan who knows their stuff when they see the names Centrowitz and lamong and then woody kincaid i think vegas has the advantage there being able to bump your odds
4: right well i would I, the- <laughs> I would
2: like to think i would have hit it and made a ton of money though
4: thanks man uh <laughs> Easy to say now it's like I've believed in you the whole time man <laughs> no uh, uh, I think you know, even the week before the race, we were doing like a pre race workout we were supposed to do eight hundreds and uh Centro dropped me on i said i 'll leave the eight hundred we were at University of Utah, and we were supposed to do two o four and I got dropped to 208 and Centro went around me so so for some reason uh you know it, it was a lot better at sea level um. Vegas would have been really (laughs) pretty spot on actually.
3: (laughs) So, so that race, you, you go in, you, you crush it, right? If you do a Woody Kincaid search, like I'm trying to prep for the pod and just like every article is about that, that 5k there. So that's September, 2019. You out of like anyone else are like, Set up to just explode. You're ready to go to the trials. I'm sure you're ready to, to see if you can make it run at the Olympics. We've talked to a lot of athletes about this, about what it was like to have that pushback year. But for someone like you, who was just peaking right in the fall of 2019, and, and ready to maybe uh, get a good training period in the winter, and then explode onto the scene in spring, like how? how much has that sucked that the thing got pushed back? Like you were in just killer shape and like, how frustrated were you uh, of knowing that, you know, you had to maintain this or improve it, I guess, over the next 12 months, instead of just a few months.
4: You know, not, not that bad because I know each season, uh, it's it's kind of a crapshoot in the sport. It changes very quickly, man. So even though I had a great 2019, you're not, or yeah, 2019, I wasn't promised a great 2020 either. you know, I there were guys in better shape than me in 2020, I'm sure. I kind of got uh dinged up in January, so you know, I really take each year as a whole new year and just trying to build on each um sequential year until the cliff comes. I like to think I'm going to keep getting faster, you know, that there always is the waterfall um at some point.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, we um. So Trent and I ran together in college and our, our college coach always used to say, you know, never let your best day or your worst day define you. Right. Never get too like big headed that you think, you know, you can, you can do anything and never, you know, let one bad race tear you down. But for you, it's like that, that one race, that's, that's a, a career defining thing. Right. And that, that could be something that takes you to that next level. Do you, I know it's a weird question, but, like, do you feel like a top 10 5K runner, American runner of all time? Do you feel right now like the kind of guy who can get on a stage with any of these guys and consistently be low 13s, below 13, and, you know, compete at that national or international stage?
4: Yeah, I do. I I mean, just from the workouts that I did when I ran 1258 to the workouts that all the guys are doing now, uh, they're still – it's still there, uh, but you know, it's not sub 13 anymore. It doesn't look like that. There's guys running way faster. I mean, Mo is, he's still on another level and you know, that's where I wanna be. So can I compete with them? I really want a chance to try, uh, but in the workouts right now, I think, I think I, I have a good gauge of where, where the team at least I think I do, <laughs> where the team is. And we're all in that kind of working compete on the world stage, can compete at the Olympic final. Uh, but can we really be up there with the top guys that are gonna be in, you know, in the 10K and the 26 lows now and the tw- you know, in the 1240 somethings, you know? I I don't know. That's that's what I, I need that race to know. Um, but uh I'll probably try anyways. <laughs> I'm <I'll, laughs> if the opportunity presents itself, I'm gonna go with it. I, I, I always do. You
3: don't know, but that, I guess that's Vegas's job, Mike and I's job, and we're making gambling pools with the listeners here. We'll have to make that. And based on your confidence there of saying like you're gonna you're gonna go for it, I think Gosh. we uh, we'll have to put a little money on that. Um, uh,
4: no, guys, you don't understand that. on this podcast. Every time I come off like I think I'm gonna. Uh, <laughs> beat the world and i really don't think that i'm still getting dropped in practice i want to clarify (laughs) we'll cut that part don't worry we'll cut that (laughs) no leave it in it is what it is whatever happens on the mic i always try and leave it anyways
3: all right let's let's talk about now so you're you're in arizona right now right yep okay so just um how's how's training camp going with with the the crew out there and then i want to ask some more fun questions but i guess at first like how how's the, the the training been how are you feeling right now
4: well, it's been strange, but, you know, it, everyone, when no one's racing, thinks they're in the best shape of their life. That's, that's a common trend I'm starting to see is when, when people haven't raced in a while, they, they start to think that, oh, man, I've never been this fit. Look out. And then everyone starts to race and you have to realize, wow, either I'm not that fit or everyone's this fit. <laughs> it's like so uh, training's going very well the guys are in great shape we're doing workouts that i think show um that the team's in the best shape it's ever been or is in great shape we're gonna see though we haven't raced in the year you know we haven't raced anyone else at least yeah so what what is training camp
3: when you go down there like like from a, a non-running perspective? It kind of seems like it's like college again, where you have like a big frat, you know, house and you guys are all living in there and watching you guys playing, uh maybe it's not they doing frats all the time, but playing sellers at Catan and watching The Bachelor, that sort of thing. So what what is like the extracurricular activity look like for for your crew right now?
4: Uh, man, I it's kind of been the same since the last five years now i'm so in it i the extracurricular is we go for runs we we shoot the shit on runs and we go back we take a nap and if we want to hang out in the afternoon and watch football or something or play video games (laughs) do something and completely uh to just kind of take our mind off running that's that's kind of what we've been doing we're trying i mean we can't really go out at the moment right yeah so you, you,
2: you kind of brought up, you know, watching football there. And I uh, well, quick shout out to, to your podcast. So you get a podcast, uh, the price of mile. And uh, I've, I've really enjoyed listening to it. You know, it, it's few and far between when you drop your episodes, but every time you drop them, they're very good. But we're, we're going to talk about that a little later. But one thing that you said on your podcast that kind of stuck with me, and it, it's a huge theme for what we're trying to do here, right? When we started this podcast, we were you know a few guys who ran in college really loved sports but like never followed the pro scene never were like track junkies or anything like that and we were trying to figure out why that was right if we love sports so much why are we not like why don't we follow the sport that we do the sport that we ran in college and everything like that and so that's been kind of the experiment for us right it's like if we are the target audience right if if you're trying to attract more sports fans, but we are the target market. So how do we create uh, an environment that brings these type of people in? And you've been a huge advocate and we've talked about a million times because you know, we are also degenerate gamblers gambling on track, right? Why, why is there this? Is it, is it like the purest that track, like so many people on track are like have this purist attitude and, and I get it. One of my favorite things about running and distance running is everybody respects each other. You kind of respect the sport in general, but we do lose a little bit of that edge and kind of like in, in that purist mentality. So what is it about this sport that people are so hesitant to, to bring that kind of entertainment value, that adult entertainment value into this sport?
4: Uh, well, I, I think the best way Ryan and Ryan Hill and I have talked about this a lot. We, we, um, you know, it's the typewriter. I'll go take this. I'll take this way back. All right. The the point being people are still stuck in the way the sport has always been. And, you know, people involved in the sport, love the sport for what it is and are now getting older and they don't really want to change it per se, because this is how they grew up and, and want it to be. So for example, the typewriter, the way that the typewriter is set up, um, the keys on a typewriter setup is because, or, or I mean your uh, computer, is because of the way the typewriter was. And the way, and it's not the most efficient way for, for you to type on a computer, but because this is how the typewriter was, this is how a computer was, right? So it's really hard to move past something that's just been used and done for, for the last, you know, 40 years. Um, I have no doubt that everybody wants the sport to expand, but you know, I it seems so clear to me. This is such an open gate and a quick fix, almost not a quick fix, but a great, a fast fix. Yes. Let people bet. Let the people bet. I, I, I mean, are we an amateur sport or, or professional sport? Right. That's how I feel. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I get so caught up in it because, you know, you, I feel like the track community wants only diehard fans. But when I look at other sports, like you look at the NFL, you have your, you know, all twenty-two type people, right? Who break down the film and get into, you know, different coverages and this and that. But majority of football fans love the sport and would like take a bullet to to watch their team in the Super Bowl. But they're not breaking down the X's and O's. They just love the entertainment. They want to go to the game. They want to tailgate. They want to drink some beers and they want to, you know, do DraftKings or You know, put some money on the game. That's what they want to do. We don't need to get stuck in this mentality where every everybody who watches track needs to be like know every single thing there is to know about track. If I go to to watch a horse race, I don't know a damn thing about horses, but I have the time of my life.
4: Oh yeah, and that's this is entertainment, man. That's what we are trying to be—the most entertaining sport. And if someone throws on track, you're like, oh, there's America. I'll, I'll I'll cheer for America. But if you got, you know five dollars on it i'll you'll get some college kids gambling in the casino and that's five dollars uh going towards everybody in track and and the house of course my mind is still blown over here thinking about the keyboard i,
2: I never
3: have thought <laughs> I, that why are the keys so randomly placed
4: yeah i don't know why that's popped in my head either it's not like i, I planned that either that was uh something i learned back in college
3: it sounds like a business opportunity to redesign the keyboard, but that can oh, be wow. our next venture. Yeah.
4: You're right about that.
3: For the gambling, do you and your, your teammates or are you and any other of your friends ever get in on like friendly pools, betting on different
4: races when you're not running? Uh, yeah, of course, man. I, I mean, even when we watch these, uh, like if you're watching a meet that we uh, say, we're, I remember we are at camp. 2019, we were watching a meet that Lopez was in that I don't even remember where it was. It was like in Oregon somewhere, and they had like kids' meet. (laughs) They had like a kid's meet before, and we're like, I'll I'll take the kid in lane five. Like, (laughs) Burrito would think for a kid in lane five. That kid's a total unit. And uh, I mean, that's all it would take. That was fun enough as it is. We spent the whole day doing that.
3: That's uh, some Goodwill hunting, betting on the Little League game. I love it. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Sometimes that's more <laughs> right. fun, right, when you have zero information about these people and it's just, like, pure game of chance.
4: <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, it's not like we, it hasn't been bet on in Europe. You, you can bet. Of course. And it's bigger in Europe. Coincidence. Yeah, the, the
3: World Championships, not that I haven't, you know, an illegal bookie, but the World Championships did have lines on runners, and that was, like, the first time we were able to get some money in on it. But it just doesn't, you know, take off and get into uh, any other event. That's the only event I've seen, so.
4: I don't know.
0: <laughs> oh,
3: no. I was waiting for just the magic
2: answer right there.
4: He, yeah, he was
2: gonna solve. He's gonna solve the problem right there.
4: <laughs> yeah, I wish. I, I, I'm glad that you guys are just changing the conversation because when you talk to, uh, you know, guys in track and field, sometimes they they just roll their eyes when you bring up gambling. And I think if enough people just start talking about it and making it a serious option, um, and seeing that it helps the athletes and the sport grow, you know, people start start to listen. I could not agree more. Not, not that I couldn't
2: talk about gambling for the next 45 minutes. Cause I could, but, but we'll move on here to, to another subject that we love talking about. And this is again, another subject. I hate doing it, but probably something you've talked about 10,000 times in your life, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask about it. So I'm going to, so let's talk about track beef. Right. And, you know, obviously in 2019, we had the the Chalimo-Lemong thing, and that created a whole bunch of buzz, and it was great, right? It, it was it was so much fun to to be a part of, you know, from an outside perspective and watch everything going, going down. Um, it, it makes it fun from a spectator and a fan, right? That's what being a fan of a sport is like, is, is watching that that kind of stuff go down. And I will say, I think a lot of it seemed kind of like fun-loving, right? Like the Instagram post and all that. It did seem fun-loving, and we talked about this with the – with Grant and he kind of joked around about how, you know, yeah, we were just all having fun with it. And I do think, I believe that that's true to an extent, right? Like you see what's going on right now with, uh, with your guy, Josh Thompson and Craig. And, you know, I can see that that's a lot of like, just guys having a good time. However, when we go back to that race and I watch you in that race and I watch kind of listen to your comments after the race, I mean, I could tell that you were pissed, right? As fun as everything is, that's, it's a sport. It's a competition. It was getting physical. It was getting heated. It was getting tense. And you were pissed off, right? So as fun as everything was, is there a part of you, right? Like when you want to see Paul again and you, and you want to have another battle with him, am I completely off on this?
4: <laughs> no, but I'm a pretty contentious dude, uh, yeah. generally speaking. So I, <laughs> yeah, I was pissed. Um, you know, I, I don't like the fact that he went out there and said that he was going to win the race and, and beat everybody in the field. And then, at, you know, after the race say, why didn't you do your part? And it was, it became, why didn't I do my part? Like you, I was just, I was playing by your game. Like, what do you want, what do you want me to say? Um, so I think part of it was just the the flip of the script before and after the race uh, race that shouldn't bother me, but uh, it did a little bit and I guess it doesn't anymore. Actually, <laughs> I guess, that, that, I mean, that's what like
2: makes, to me, you can't get to the level of athletics that you've gotten to without having that kind of that switch in you, right? The, the ability to, to get fired up about something. I mean, you have to be competitive to be an athlete they go hand in hand.
4: Yeah, definitely. I think, that's that's the thing on Darwin is we are all the most competitive people we know, <laughs> like yeah, I think that's what makes these workouts great. That's what makes these these races great. Everybody uh, I see every day, and I'm I'm kind of in a bubble of very competitive people, right? So maybe that gets a little bit out of hand sometimes. Yeah.
2: Well, so another thing I will say too, right? Like in in terms of growing the sport, another thing that we talk about a lot is more emphasis on the team, right? And like team identity and people, like you know, when you watch football, you cheer for a specific team, or you know, every once in a while you can get a specific athlete, but you know, you have your team that you back. Um, so in that race with Paul afterwards, when he was talking about like, oh, I'm not out there to to pace the the Bowerman Track Club. Well, I mean, listen, it, it, you're And don't get me wrong, like, I'll I'll be the first one to tell you, and you guys all coming on this podcast has completely changed my tune, but there's been nobody more critical of different teams, including the Bowerman Track Club, than the guys you're talking to right now. But in a championship race, if you have teammates that you train with and you work with and you're all trying to make the team, yeah, I mean, that's what this sport should be. You should be racing as a team. You should be all trying to make the championship and and go one, two, three. Like, that is how sports work. So, I don't know, that comment drove me nuts because it's like, well, okay. if, you know, if you don't want to pace the Barman track club, then I, I don't know. Don't, don't go, <laughs> don't, don't let them, you know, work as a team against you. I don't know.
4: <laughs> right. Thank you. I'm sorry. Like, what do you, like what, Lopez is my friend. I've been training him for three months. Like I, I know exactly <laughs> what kind of shape he's in. We're going to key off each other. Of course. What I'm with you hundred percent.
3: I like this. Let's stoke the rattle. You said you're over at Woody. I, I want to try and, you know, we
4: revisit some. It's fine. Honestly, it, it's been so long. I needed to be restoked. Good. Very good. How, how about
3: like internally you mentioned sometimes, I don't know. I, I find that interesting idea the, the competitiveness within your team, because you're just surrounded by, you know, elite, elite athletes, the best of the best, and you're all kind of gunning for the same goals. So um, what does that look like sometimes in, you know, a, just a normal workout on the track when you're leading up to it? Do you think sometimes the competitiveness, you know, is too much and kind of affects the way you're approaching an interval?
4: I think we are all like, we are completely different people. The moment a, a workout starts and when it ends, we like these guys, I, I don't feel any like, aggression or or any <laughs> tension. <laughs> after a workout starts but in the middle of a workout there occasionally is a time where it's like ah there's I get a little heated I can feel like Mo wants to move to the front or like someone's coming on my shoulder um but for the most part like as soon as the workout's done everyone's just normal people and we hang out and have a good time I mean I guess that's the way it should be right we always like we always we've heard it's compared to other
3: sports in general too but the guys that will just go at it in the game and then you see them shaking hands after or whatever um but that, that's cool to see that's cool to hear like you know the the competitiveness kind of gets to you because i can think of doing workouts in college too where you're annoyed you feel like someone's just like you know kind of one step in you or something like that and you're just trying to hit your, your something like that so um it's, <laughs> it's interesting to hear about like the competitiveness of just the pros out there um a <laughs> normal workout
4: my favorite thing about uh, long runs is everyone blaming the other, someone different for who pushed the pace. I'll win. <laughs> Absolutely classic. <laughs> it's always like, like someone else. Right? They were half stepping me. You were three stepping me. Today, I think it was actually Hugo. Hugo got the pace going.
2: But, well, you,
3: but nobody calls so it many... out till the end right nobody's like <laughs> while you're doing it there'll nobody be like hey man let, let's we're, we're you know up in a little too much right now it's always at the very end you're like why do we go you know 20 seconds faster <laughs> per mile
4: than we wanted to yeah we all wanted to do it deep down that's how i yeah, feel that, that's probably
2: true yeah so I, I can't remember who maybe it was grant or evan when we when we were talking to him on our show um but i i kind of compared the btc to like you know, the Yankees of the MLB or the Patriots of, of football, right? Where it's like, you guys are just so damn good that I feel like it makes it, you know, pe- people end up getting sick of the Yankees winning all the time. They get sick of the Patriots winning all the time. Does that kind of attitude where like, you had a quote, you're like, you know, I run for the best team in the world. And I, and I mean that, like, right? Like you... You guys believe when you show up at a track and you're wearing the you know the red and black that you are the best team in the world you guys represent the best team in the world does that kind of take you to the next level as an individual knowing that you know not just the training you do with these guys but what it represents like when you put on that BTC lightning bolt you know what i mean
4: you know i that's the question is is would we we're all would we have the same success on different teams Ultimately, sure. Like ultimately, right? Like, um, and it's something that you know. I've only been with BTC for my whole pro career. Uh, I would like to see how other people develop outside the team because we all in this team believe this is the best place to be, and you know we can do it here. Um, I really would like to see how people develop outside the team, but I'm not the one willing to do it. <laughs> yeah, no I like it here. <laughs> All
2: right. So, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us tonight, but we're not going to let you off that easy. We do end every interview with a quick game. We're going to do down the home stretch. So I I, you know, kind of gave us a a preview earlier, but you we do want to plug your show. You are a fellow podcaster, so we're going to give you rapid fire questions on podcasting. Trent's going to hit you with the first one. Let's do it.
3: I'll take it. All right, Woody how do I convince my, my co-host here to just record like once a year? Cause that sounds a lot easier. Than
4: <laughs> all you have to do is have a complete like niche already set up. You don't have to have any, uh, any help from anyone else already have all the audience that you want. And the people that you, <laughs> the people you want to interview, you see them every day. That's all. That's it.
2: Easy. Yeah. So uh, we've, asked and been denied by Centro about 12 times to come on our show. How many times has he
4: has he told you no? So here's the thing, before that uh Portland 5000 that he was in, I begged Centro, my like, dude, you need to be on this podcast. We're about to go run a race together. All <laughs> four of would be sweet. It would be sick if we all were all just together on this podcast. And instead, he's like, "Nah, I'm going to watch a movie with Shelby." And that night, I think that was the night where like the first night that we saw Centro and Shelby sit down together, and we would record the podcast. So I don't know. We, we took different paths.
3: It, it sounds like if he doesn't come on Woody, he's never come on ours. And like, so we should might. <laughs> really no. So <laughs> he's been.
4: Know. So apparently, there's been some beef going on <laughs> with some other stuff. He wants to get on the podcast now, but I don't know if I want to bring beef to price of a mile so much. But well, I if might. you want
2: to, if you want to send it our way, please,
4: please send it our
3: way. <laughs> I was gonna say, if you need somewhere to, to talk beef, you can come on ours. We're welcome to. to yeah, we'll we, we'll
4: we'll welcome <laughs> you yeah. with open. I have arms. no doubt the beef out there is ready to be smoked. Love <laughs> it. Let's do it. Oh,
0: Man, I can't wait. Well, even, <laughs> whether
2: it's on ours or not, I um, um my ears are open. I'm ready for yeah. it.
0: <laughs>
3: All right. So so besides Sancho, then who's your who's your dream podcast guest?
4: Um, Jerry Schumacher. I would love to have Jerry on the mic i yeah
2: another guy that my ears would be wide open ready to to hear that yeah
4: Um, i I told people i want to get into i want to write into my contract that jerry has to be on the podcast (laughs) if i if i went he'd only take olympic gold if i take if i get olympic gold jerry is that is that going to be enough to get on this damn podcast probably not all right
2: this is one of my uh my favorite questions for podcasters do you listen to your own
4: podcast no, not no because I've listened to it like before it's gone out. I do all the editing. I've listened to it probably like you know, 6 or 7 times. So no, yep. not really.
2: Yeah, I, I do the editing too and it's like by the time I'm, I I put that out it's like I don't even care if there's a mistake in this. I don't care <laughs> if I miss something. I'm never listening to that episode ever again.
4: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, I'm done with it. It's like finishing a paper that you worked yeah. on. <laughs> Thank you.
3: I don't As someone that doesn't get it, edit, made, that I would never correct Mike on something. I would never, I could never be like, Mike, there's a little section here or something like that. You just got to let it roll. <laughs> just like, it's all,
4: just enjoy the content, man. Just, yeah. You
3: know. <laughs> all right, Trent, hit
4: him with
2: the last question.
3: All right, Woody, who did a better job on this podcast, Mike or me?
4: <laughs> who who asked the most controversial comment? Who got who got me on Shalimo? Uh,
2: Oh, that, was, that was me for sure. Uh Trent then. Oh, fuck. Hey, there we go. <laughs> I
4: whoever, was so excited. I whoever like, got oh, me nice. to say the least of what I wanted to say. <laughs> that's that's we did. It. You know, here's the thing about being being on a, uh, a podcast, guys, that you'll see. People will start quoting your podcast to you that you don't even know you said.
0: Has that happened yeah. to you yet? Uh,
2: I mean, not us, but like definitely people we've had on, I guess. Like people have. But, I mean, not, nothing we've ever said has ever been, you know, quoted <laughs> back to us. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nobody but, cares uh, what we have to say. <laughs>
4: no, they, they, okay, they probably quoted it like an athlete or something. But it's, like, weird when you're like, that was, like, four years ago, man. I don't remember saying that. But Okay, yeah.
2: You got to be careful when you jump on the Zoom, man. Yeah, you, never, no, you never know it's going to come out. Who knows? You, you, you might have a brand new beef that you, you didn't know existed tomorrow.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I, I look forward to it. I'm sure, I'm sure it was something. All
2: right, well, Woody – this was unbelievable. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for uh, indulging our, uh, you know, controversial questions. Really appreciate it.
4: Well, I, have you had Paul on here?
2: I would love to have Paul, but no, I have not had Paul.
4: Yeah, I'd like to know what Paul Shalima thinks of all this because I've heard my side of the story a hundred times. And, um, you know, maybe you get him back to back and we can finally either stoke the flames or mend old wounds. I I, I don't know one or the other. Hell yeah, man. Sounds like a goal. We got to do it,
0: man.
1: All right, another great interview with, uh, with one of the P2E friends of the program, Woody Kincaid go check out his podcast price of a mile some cool stuff there um, and that interview was brought to you by the Irish clover virtual five mile race coming up this March just a quick reminder if you haven't signed up you got to do it links in our bio links on our website everywhere you find peak Tour, you find the link to sign up for this but you sign up you get all the swag that comes along with the race you get you know you, you know you get a uh, you're gonna be putting the results it's gonna be all the great stuff that typically comes along with a, with a race or virtual race, we're stepping up. we got some other cool stuff going on. If you sign up, you send us a DM with a screenshot of your entry. You're automatically entered into a drafting-style pick'em pool. So we're going to do like a fantasy draft the week leading up to it. We're going to have an after party where we announce the winners. It's going to be a ton of fun. I can't wait. And then we're also going to have some overall prizes for the winner of the races that we're going to actually announce next week. They're from our new sponsor. I can't wait
2: to announce it next week. Yeah, I mean, I did some, uh, like I said at the top of the show, I did some serious shoveling this week, so I think that probably is going to drive my drafting price right through the roof. So I'm going to the moon with my drafting price, so you probably should buy in now while it's, while it's still low. Going yeah, to don't, don't buy me. <laughs> buy the others, don't <laughs> buy me. But, but like we said multiple times
1: on this podcast, if you've complained about like the lack of gambling on this sport and you don't sign up for this race, you can't complain anymore. So if you're into, if you're into like the, the gambling culture, the fantasy sports culture, and you're not signing up for this, then like, what do you even do? What are you doing? Yeah, so, it's not that much money. It's going to be a ton of fun and right. you're going to so, keep the
2: greatest running podcast in the world going. So Woody Kincaid, did you hear that? You can't complain about no gambling in the sport. If you don't sign up for this That's race, right. we, we better, we better see you signed up for this race.
1: Yep. And then, uh, you know, before we head into the bell lap here, just a quick other note. So we're on episode 99. Next week, we have our 100th episode, our 100th freaking episode. I can't believe it. It's going to be a massive episode. So leading up to our episode next week, uh, I'm thinking on Tuesday evening, we're going to do a little State of the Union on instagram live so we're going to get on there we're going to kind of talk a little bit about the the podcast where we think this going all the cool stuff that's happening we're going to announce our new sponsor of the podcast and the five uh the irish clover virtual five miler so it's gonna be really cool I'll, i'll throw one of those little reminders up on instagram but next tuesday night we're doing the instagram live all three of us will be on it at some point and then on wednesday morning our hundredth episode is dropping with a massive guest i can't wait
0: i
3: can't even count that i
1: yeah all right mike Again. all right
2: let's kick off the bell app <laughs> mike what do you got for people on the bell App? all right so it's predictable i'm sorry i'm gonna do it but it's super bowl week gentlemen and um I'm in a weird place because my mind, right? My mind tells me if I took motion completely out of this game and I was just like looking at the betting lines and everything, I see Kansas City uh, three-point favorite, and my mind would tell me that that is the easiest win of all time. That's what my mind would tell me. But I think my mind is wrong, and my mind can be wrong from time to time, it's just there's something, something in the air. Tom Brady, he's gonna win this game. Tom is going to win this game. I've completely convinced myself, and I, it's there's no. He probably wins this game, retires, closes the book, and that's it. Like I, I just kind of feel like that's what we're heading towards here. So I don't know. I, I've been wrong before, but. That's 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 what I'm telling you. That's the advice I'm giving all you people out there and heads on the coin flip.
1: Always go ahead. Yeah, I mean I've I've seen this man do too many incredible things in the Super Bowl. So I mean I just blindly, blindly going on on Tampa Bay in this game. So trying what do you got
3: people on the bell app? As I'll be able to bet on Tom Brady and Tampa Bay, because I ain't lost nothing in the stock market yet diamond hands you don't lose if you don't sell i'm holding <laughs> on i'm still holding hold till i die i got all the money in the world it's all just just coming to me as soon as the rocket ship takes off which means i can still bet on Tampa bay this weekend without worrying about how bad the bank account looks so uh go gamestop go Gamese, go blackberry go nokia and go tampa
2: bay this is the Stock that. podcast we do not uh give advice for stocks <laughs> It's a uh, disclaimer it's a disclaimer people
1: i'm gonna throw uh some shade here uh pace productions instagram account is a trash account um we're officially changing we're officially calling them copy and paste productions going forward so um yeah not a fan of those guys other than that boys i would have run faster but i peaked too early mike hit me with the joes
2: P2E. 2 e oh, Can perfect. you have a number and a stock ticker money sign? Oh, yeah. yes. P2E. Just a bunch of rocket symbols. <laughs> <laughs> Diamonds. <laughs> All right, boys. Have a good night.
1: See you, gentlemen. Mike sent me that interview. I will.